Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of DD Teach. I am uh, the brain dead, apparently, student who can't think of any adjectives to describe himself, Kieran Lafort. Uh, and joining me, as always, is my masterful teacher, uh, Mark Buckledy, who never has such brain farts. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm very good, thanks, uh, which has become the world's most boring catchphrase. Um, <laughs> People come up to you and say, uh, and say it to you at shows now. <laughs> uh, not yet, but... <laughs> I haven't actually been to a show since I think we started recording. Uh, so speaking of uh, recording, you will have noticed that this is about two weeks after the May show, and it's the June show. And it's also not the June show we told you it would be, so how's that for a swerve? We initially looked at the lineup for Cyberfight Festival and figured, yeah, we maybe cover it in passing. It wasn't like a big deal for DDT. And then things happened uh, with capital letters, and uh, now it's probably worth looking at in a bit more detail. This thing was six hours start to finish. I had to watch it in two segments <laughs> and then the main event by itself. Did you get through it in one go? Uh, definitely not. So I, um, a couple of days after it happened, I basically started from the beginning. I got to uh, the, I basically got up to the match with the happening, mm -hmm. which was for people that, have been hiding in a cave or whatever was the Noah versus DDT six man. Mm -hmm. um, and then I basically stopped. Wait, hold on. I can't remember, which is very bad. The DDT, yeah, the DDT eight man came before that. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, so that was the last match that I saw stopped. I didn't really have much interest in seeing the... I, I was going to eventually get round to Cesar, Sasaki versus uh, Keno. Mm. I didn't have massive interest in the top two matches. And then when we discussed, hold on, that, you know, the decision to record the podcast, I went back and watched them. Mm -hmm. So you better finish it off for completeness so I'm not floundering for the last 20 minutes of this show by myself, talking to myself I, effectively. Th there is only one match that I decided not to watch. Um, okay. Well, uh, I watched and took notes on all of them. Uh, we'll skip through the pre-show quickly. Uh, the the not very dark, dark matches. Uh, oh, so this is June 12th, 2022, Saitama Super Arena. Apparently just under 5,000 people in the building, um, which is good as an attendance, not good in a 20,000-seat building. Yeah, uh, it, it'll, it'll do in this situation. I mean, I'd imagine that they would have wanted um, a higher number, but it's not a bad number in the current environment. No, I guess not. I guess not. Uh, so we open up with uh, a DDT-presented pre-show tag match. Uh, Kazuki Hirata and Soma Takao versus Muscle Sakai and Yukio Naya. Fun, nothing to write home about. Uh, Hirata is a great first man through the curtain opening act. Yeah. Uh, Naya pinned Hirata with a back suplex. I did enjoy Hirata on his hoverboard trying to make his usual entrance uh, and Takao just dawdling in front of him and Hirata just trying to sort of like chivy him along down the ramp to get out mm. of the way so he can do his full run-up and he never he, gets to do it. 
Well, you could kind of tell it was almost like a rib by Takao on Harata. Yeah. It very much was. I'm going to muck you up here. Um, Really, my two points on this was the story was that Muscle Sakai was wrestling more seriously because because of the the criticisms from Noah about DDT not being serious, etc. And thank goodness that Naya's uh, dye job is now a shade of blonde that does not remind me of Boris Johnson. <laughs> uh, next up was uh, TJPW uh, had a 10-woman tag match. Uh, Kaya Toribama, Naokakta, Harisa Endo, uh, Motoko, Motoko Miyamoto? Mocha Miyamoto. Mocha, aha. Uh, and uh, Mahiro Kiryu beat uh, Yuri, Hyper Misao, Haruka Neko, Yuki Aino, and Pom Harajuku. My notes on this, I'll read you my entire notes. Tiny cat girl wrestler is still rubbish. Just a blur of costumes and badly timed exchanges. Kiryu pins Pom with a spine buster. That was it. This was the get everyone on the Mm. card match. Um, And yeah, I honestly have no real thoughts. It's There's a big gap between the bottom end and the top end of TJPW when it comes to talent. Yes, it's... um, there's some things TJPW does well, but I wouldn't necessarily say the general level of the training is one of them. Hmm. Uh, the the dark main event uh, is the DDT eruption trio of Saki Akai, uh, Hideki Okutani, and Yukio Sakiguchi against uh, Gambari Pros Kenoka, uh, Yuna Masase, and Mizuki Watase. Uh, Kenoka gets tied up in tape, somehow still manages to spear Sakaguchi, don't know how. Uh, Watase slaps Akai into next week and then Sakaguchi comes in and takes his head off with a roundhouse kick and he gets destroyed by eruption Uh, Sakaguchi then puts him out with a sleeper for the win Uh, there's some jawing backwards and forwards on the microphone afterwards uh, and Oka and Masase have to stop Watase cutting his own hair don't know what that was about (laughs) okay so this is where I basically fulfill my role. So in the build-up to this, um, Eruption had basically invaded Gambare Pro. So for people that aren't aware, Gambare Pro is essentially, it's the sister prom- it's one of uh, the sister promotions of DDT. It's lower-level uh, indie. Whereas you could say, is DDT an indie? Yes or no. Gambare like, is proud to be an indie, basically. Mm. And... But if it's part of a uh, so, network, then it's not independent. It thinks it's an indie. Yeah. Uh, it, it's run by Ken Oka, the man who once tried to pay for the Tokyo Dome with money out of his wallet. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so the story was that uh, Eruption invaded Gambare Pro and they were the cocky invaders. This was uh, Gambare basically having an opportunity to defend themselves and misuki watase was a ddt wrestler who basically went down to gambare pro because he wasn't getting the opportunities in ddt mm. so it was I have like a, that rings a bell home. i have a feeling he's been mentioned on this show before yes we've mentioned him we actually i'm pretty sure we might have covered one of his last ddt matches i think we covered his farewell match okay uh on an episode so uh, uh, this is so. The other thing about this is the the post match was setting up for there is going to be another eruption versus Watase 
uh, tag match at Gambare Pro's big wrestles Sekigahara show on uh, July 10th, which is going Excellent to be Excellent Japanese there. Well done. <laughs> uh, I'm not lying. I basically paused to read it to make sure I didn't utterly uh, <laughs> mangle it. Uh, I've had to do that yeah. with like half a dozen names so far. So, so that is the, uh, the biggest show that Gambare Pro will ever have to this date, uh, mm-hmm. Oat Awards. And that's one of the many matches on that show. I actually really like this uh, for the level it was on the cards. I I liked the um, the energy, and I thought um, Okatani's doing a good job of growing. But I really enjoyed Watase as basically being the fiery guy standing up and then getting destroyed. The problem I have with Okatani, like Okatani's a perfectly good wrestler, and I quite like him. However, he has one big problem, and that's he's got gormless Yoshihashi face. Okay, yeah. He has one yeah. expression, and it's similar to the confused parrot that uh, Yoshihashi is. Uh, and I think that will might kind of stop him from reaching a, a high level, perhaps. Like, he can't, I don't think he can emote the same way a lot of the other guys uh, who came up at the same time as him can. Hmm. I mean, he's got plenty of time to learn, but then hmm. again, there's lots of wrestlers that have limitations in what they can develop. Yeah, that's Time true. Time will tell. That's true. So, the opening of the show proper, uh, Burnings, Yuya Koroka, and uh, Sona Kamina's uh, Toi Kojima from DDT team up against Kai Fujimura and Kinya Okada of Noah. Four lads of roughly the same size, shape, and haircut have a perfectly acceptable tag match, I wrote. Uh, Okada was out of place for a couple of things, and he needs to practice running corner to corner. Uh, and unfortunately, he put the far superior Kojima away with a high angle crab. I actually felt that Kojima was uh, a bit off here. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe it's my, it's, maybe it's my Kojima bias. Like, I, there's something about him I really like. I, I, he's a guy, I like him a lot. I like his energy. I just felt that, because there were definitely two spots that really went wrong, which was the Frankensteiner and the disaster kick mm. counter. But I actually was putting, it's funny because you've kind of put the blame on that on Akada and I've put the blame on that on Kojima. Interesting. Uh, so it's quite funny. And the I think what's interesting is, so bear in mind, the Noah rookies had probably at least a year or two more experience than the DDT rookies. Uh, That's interesting because it didn't look like that to me. Because Kojima debuted... Uh, on the 27th of December 2020 and Kuroku only debuted in April 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Kuroku has the advantage that he was, um, he basically went to Animal Hamaguchi's Dojo first mm-hmm. and Animal Hamaguchi's Dojo is a place that has helped set up guys like Satoshi Kojima, Tetsuya Naito, uh, Shingo Takagi. There's some great pedigree coming out of that place and mm. Even when he debuted, you could tell that Kuroku had a lot of the basics down. I see. Uh, next up, another all Tokyo Joshi Pro multi woman tag match uh, Yuki Arai, Suzume, and Hikari Noah against uh, Makiito, Mio Yamashita, and Juria Nagano. Uh, Noah had their cinematic cameras out for this show. Two of them, I noticed. They look really good on the entrances, and it's exactly what <laughs> they should be used for. Uh, Juria's nurse costume, however, looks cheap. It's like she bought it in the local costume shop. And I think they should play more into the karate aspect of her background. Yeah. 
that's where she shines is when she's using that in matches and in court, until she learns to wrestle properly, incorporating that her karate background uh, is where she shines. Um, just the thing with Juria for me mm. is she just reminds me of Loki. Like the stance, <laughs> the movement, the, the arms out. I don't know. It's like... Hopefully I, I she's not much of a like, prick. And it's like, I'm thinking of Loki here, which probably makes sense because I believe Loki did have a... I don't know if it was karate, but he had a strong martial arts back. Mm. Um, there's just insane amounts of charisma and star power dripping off that team, though. All three of those women are, like, top-level stars. Um Juria's red extensions get pulled out and just get flung out of the ring somewhere. Uh, I think uh, Hikari Noah might have the most acute angle on her bridge I've ever seen. Like, she practically had her the back of her head touching her heels at one point. Um, uh, Yamashita finishes off uh, the little bee, Suzume, with her skull kick, and it looked great. She looked like she mm. walloped her with it. Um, I think Juria's got a long way to go, but she looks like a star and has loads of potential. I enjoyed yeah. this. Everyone comes out of it looking great. Uh, the mm. winning team are presented with some giant comedy Nivea products and apparently 10 years supply each. And it's like, this isn't like, I'm, I'm going to drag Dragon Gate a little bit. This isn't a Jap Japan only toilet wipe company nobody's familiar with outside of that country. Like Nivea are a huge international company. I think that's, I, I might be over reading things, but I think that's a big deal to have this match sponsored by yeah. them yeah i i have a pun written down and i'm not going to do it because it's absolutely bloody awful um it was a bad nivea pump but <laughs> am i your restraint um you you're right in the ito yamashita nagano uh, what's fascinating about this match is it's two wrestlers who are basically um like two of the top names for Tokyo Joshi Pro currently in Ito and Yamashita. Mm. I know Ito's not the the most polished product, but she's got the charisma level. We've talked uh, about this before. Like in ring, she's yeah. got so much better over the last year or so. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the, you think about it. Uh, Yuki Arai, Juria Nagano, and probably even Susume probably have less than two years in. I yeah. mean, Nagano debuted, what, this year? Yeah. Arai deb debuted last year. Yes. So th this was very much, this was the match that was, we've got three matches for Tokyo Joshi Pro on this card. And what they've done is they've made the most of their multi-women uh, matches. And basically this one was like, okay, these are wrestlers that need some spotlight. These are wrestlers that we're, I, that we're going to be doing something with in the next couple of years. Mm. And it's a good choice. The bit that I love from Nagano here is Ito and Yumashita are doing a very charming but very goofy double team. Mm. And Yukirai is rolling away slowly to escape. Yes. And Nagano <laughs> comes in and rolls her back. And it's like, I really like that exchange because it kind of gets over how goofy and slightly stupid Ito and Yamashita can be. Mm. And, uh, but it also put over Nagano actually being smart enough to mm. realise. Uh, I clicked on uh, Suzume at random as one of these six on Cage Match. She will have been wrestling three years at the end of August. She's one that, um, if she develops the way she's developing, she could be quite useful for Tokyo Joshi Pro in about two, three years. Mm. Yeah. So, next up, uh, here we go. 
Yeah. Sancho Takagi, Shinya Aoki, Kendo Kashin, and Yumiko Hota against pheromones okay. of. Uh, I, I'm just. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I jumped in too early. <laughs> uh, the pheromones quartet uh, of Denshoku Dino, uh, Yukino, and Yumihito Imanari. I can never remember each of their. Oh, wait, they're, they're dandy, sexy, and fantastic, aren't they? Yeah. And they have now been joined by Akito Kochin Nishigami. Nishigaki. Nishigaki, excuse me. That's my fault. That's me writing something down too quickly. How the hell did Akito end up with a giant rooster mask on his head? Uh, and why is he here? Okay, the the storyline is that pheromones basically are doing their best to try and ruin stuff and basically embarrass DDT because they feel that DDT's moved away from where it used to be. Uh so Sanchira Takagi basically asked Akito. Now, bear in mind, Akito is the, one of the vice presidents of DDT. He basically told Akito to join Pheromones undercover as an undercover cop to try and bring it down from the inside. In front of half and a dozen television cameras, I bet he In front this. of multiple television cameras. <laughs> and what actually happened is uh, he got converted. As I put in the first point of my notes... What happens when one of your favourites turns into a pervert? Yes, yes. He's quite literally became a giant cock. Because chin, I believe, is Japanese slang. Yes. Is it chin or cochin is Japanese slang? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's absolutely no subtlety with this at all. Uh, the same with his ring gear by the end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kendo Kashin, in air quotes, looks remarkably more feminine than when I last saw him. Uh, uh, and that's because it's not him at all. Uh, I think it was uh, Yuna Masase from earlier. Uh, uh, the real Kashin comes running out of the crowd and beats up pheromones with cardboard Nivea. And he seemed to have a full colour temporary tattoo of what looked like Yuji Nagata on his chest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, sh- the shots where the corner camera is practically up Eno's bare ass need to be deleted from the cyber agent servers immediately. They, they just need to get rid of that bloody corner camera. I am not a camera... Oh uh guy so i fear that i'll set kieran off on a ramp but if i think a camera angle is shit then i'm sorry it's got to be bad it was so it wasn't secured very well it was wobbling around every time somebody hit the corner and almost every time they cut to it it was massively out of focus it's yeah. completely pointless i don't i also don't like them cutting to the cinematic cameras in the middle of matches because it breaks the flow it goes from the way i kind of described it is it looks so different it goes from you are watching wrestling to you are being shown wrestling, if, like, that makes sense semantically. Um, yeah, but anyway, yeah, that that camera's rubbish. Um, I have seen far more of Eno's backside than I need to this week. <laughs> hmm. um, I, I will say I watched this with Japanese commentary because I had to switch off the English in the middle of the dark opener. It was terrible. It was Stuart Fulton trying to carry two people who have no business doing commentary, and Fulton has no clue about any of the other cyber promotions outside of Noah. Hmm. So he's the wrong person to commentate on them. I do, however, wish I had switched back to the English commentary to hear Fulton try to call this match. <laughs> I, I honestly did just watch Japanese commentary all the way through. Mm. I'm, I'm just used to Japanese commentary with ddt it's mm. kind of it's familiar um i it 
doesn't feel right to me to watch Japanese wrestling in English unless I'm going back trying to find out what I've missed. Uh, I flicked a couple of times uh, when there was uh, mic work going on to see if uh, the uh, either of the bilinguals uh, on the English team like translated stuff but they would usually get halfway through a sentence then the rest would start talking again so they would stop and then they wouldn't get translated like this is not chris charlton level translation you're getting here Mm. um yes very much recommend the japanese commentary over the english um i have to say uh yuji ino crab walking dick first towards uh sanshiro takagi's face for the submission finish being called loudly as sexy exorcisto on the uh, (laughs) japanese commentary did crack me up (laughs) yeah yeah, I cannot describe this match, really. It's just, I, it's pheromones. It, like, my, we know what to expect with pheromones now. Yeah. But as a, I'm paraphrasing what I've said earlier, my notes for this are, what happens when one of your favourites turns into a pervert? Akito's final ring gear is very risque and questionable chaos. Questionable chaos is the is an excellent way to describe. Do you know how sometimes in Japan big matches will get a silly subtitle? So, for example, um, uh, it was Kota Ibushi versus Cody, Cody Rhodes on a uh, on a Wrestle Kingdom show it was called Handsome Battle. Like oh, this, yeah. like this match should have been called Questionable Chaos. <laughs> Next up, a Tokyo Joshi Pro four way match, uh, which I believe was for the number one contendership, the next challenger for the Princess of Princess title is that right yes that is correct okay so it's uh Miu watanabe yuki kamifuku mizuki and rika tatsumi um kamiu plays the heel uh because she's like she's 510 she's taller than everybody else in the ring and she's good at acting like that i called her the college bitch in my notes like that kind of mm. mean girl type character there, there's a mean girl element there yeah and so she only gets in the ring when it suits her and just en- generally like acting a bit of a prick and avoiding contact with the, those beneath her and just sort of sorting out her hair on the outside instead. I really loved how opportunistic she was because mm. it made her stand out much more than actually her in-ring skills would have stood yes. out. It's a good way of working within the format and actually using it to get you over while actually giving other people time as well. Yeah, she's... Um She's uh, from wives. I haven't seen very much of her. She's uh, she has a star look for sure. Yeah, she speaks fluent English, which is very helpful. Uh, but she's sort of she's an okay wrestler. I don't know how long she's been. Uh, we've been looking up uh, people so far. Yeah, so she has only been wrestling for four years. So much like the women, some of the women in the in the uh, the, the trios match before, like not hugely experienced. But with something about her and room to develop as time goes on, I will never not be impressed by the strength of Mu Watanabe. Like if she's five foot one, I would be amazed. But she is unbelievably strong. Um, oh, it's great! She does a giant swing on Mizuki and Rika at the same time, but they're not stacked up. So she's got like both right legs under one arm and both left legs under the other arm. She has one of them under each arm. And she also gave uh, Riku, uh, Rika and Kamifuku a simultaneous body slam. The crowd pops as well. Yeah. The crowd were popping yeah. for those spots. Yeah. Like, they're impressive. Like, it's the thing that sets her apart. Um, 
I, I, I mean, I was going to say for the end, but like I, I put it at the end of my notes. Like I'm, I've become a, I've seen her four or five times, I think, and I've become a big fan. Like she's another one with boundless potential and kind of mm. like star power. Like she's got, she has a megawatt smile, and her power spots make her unique. Yeah, um, she's also she's only twenty two, so she's yes. got a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, uh, hang on, and we're going to do another little bit of clicking. And again, another one who's only been wrestling four years. So what else happened? Oh, um, uh, Kamafuku decided to get in on the uh, uh, one person attacks two people action by using her absurdly long legs to book a T axe kick uh, Mizuki uh, and Rika at the same time. I, I'll have you know that was actually a famouser. Japanese oh. commentary do call it a famouser. Oh, do they? <laughs> Well, I was hoping it was an axe kick because that's better than the famous. Um, Rika and Mew botch a twist of fate, so they just do it again. Uh, and Rika then just hits a top rope hip attack for the pin. It was a shame about the finish because the rest of this was quite entertaining. Mm. It's only the last like 45 seconds that let it down. I I honestly think when it comes to the undercard matches, with one exception, Tokyo Joshi Pro get the most out of the under, the main card mm. undercard matches. Yeah, I, um, I I had a, a point about that at the end, but uh, remind me oh, to come back yep. to it. So, here comes Noah. Get a load of this team, as you can maybe hear the train going past my open window outside. <laughs> it's boiling here. Uh, I'm in South London. It is nearly 9pm and uh, it's still 25 degrees Celsius, which is too much. Uh, so... The Noah team is Timothy Thatcher, Simon Gotch, Rene Dupree, Michael Elgin, and Elijo del Dr. Wagner Jr. <laughs> against Kazuyuki Fujita, Daiki Inaba, Takashi Sugura, uh, Shuhei Taniguchi, who I'd hoped I'd seen the back of, who apparently is still employed by somebody, and Masakitamiya. Shuhei Taniguchi has recently basically gone back to his current gimmick because he was wrestling in Noah as King Tani. He was also Maybach Taniguchi for a long time uh, yes. and was in the main event of the worst live show I've seen in all of my trips to Japan. I don't like him at all. He's he's not very good, um, but he must have, he must know where the bodies are buried because he's still employed. Uh, Elgin, who can generally go fuck himself, looks like a bloated ham. Uh, Rene Dupree looks like Lance Archer now for some reason. Like he's got the big cross tattoo on his back. Like mm. he's got the same. Like, all he, he needed. He had was, a shirt. Was it his shirt or his trunks that had the same design as his tattoo? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's oh, got Fujita and uh, Wagner trying to get on the same page was just painful. Simon Gotch's hair is terrible. He looks like he's just discovered the band The Misfits. Oh. And he used an old Johnny Storm move where he gets his opponent in a headlock and then grabs his own foot and uses it oh, to yeah. kick him in the head with. Yes. Wasn't that the fantastic? No, the it, fantastic was, it, was, it was one. But yes, was, that was one element of the Fantastic Four because there was also a knee crusher, a face crusher on the knee. And I can't remember what the others were. Uh, I'm sure if he finds this on Twitter, he'll tell me. Uh, I called this Noah's celebration of mediocrity. Uh, Elgin pinned in up with a Liger bomb. Get Thatcher away from this shower of shit as soon as possible. This was I hated this. This was my least favourite match of the entire show. I just had it described as basic fare. Nothing overly stood out. Uh, oh, yeah, and the TBH stands for, to be honest. Sorry, I didn't even know what my own notes were. <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, it was... 
This was Noah's get everybody on the show match, like the TJPW one earlier. And the thing is, if you actually, the next match coming up and this one, a night and day in Mm. terms of how they mixed the talent together, because this one was a very classic. We're getting, we're having five pairs and then we're going to the finish. Mm. And that is very much not what the next match was. The next match was very much the day to this one's night. Uh, and I'll say now, was my favourite match on the show. Uh, it was also my favourite match yeah, on the show. Uh, DDT gave us uh, Mao, Asuka, Shunma Katsumata and Yuki Ueno against Hiroshima, Naomi Yoshimura, Chris Brooks and Masahiro Takanashi. The uh, team known as the 13, uh, the 30, the Sana Kaminaska. Okay. Confusing. <laughs> no, that's just me making a shit joke. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I did uh, think they must have uh, decided she was allowed to come in the sauna with them. The sauna crew have a a raised platform entrance and T-shirt guns, and Weno's face when he can't work out where the T-shirt from his went is priceless. Like, it shoots (laughs) off somewhere into the crowd, and he's got no idea where it's gone. And and the next best thing is Mal throwing as bad as I do and being shocked by it. Oh, yeah. He practically... So they also had, like, little plastic balls, and he practically managed to throw it at himself. (laughs) I don't know how he managed this. He, he aimed to his right and it went left or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, there was a, they do a, a wacky four way submission hold. Uh, I can't remember who. I wrote this. It was uh, Brooks and Takanashi set up a four way hold and then uh, Yoshimura and Harashima basically just came in and grabbed a random arm. Ah. Oh, that's right. Yes. They were looking around, working out how they could add extra pain to this. And all that was left was a pair of arms. So they they just grabbed one each. Um, Mal repeatedly tricks uh, Brooks into hitting his own uh, tag partner, Takanashi, which is uh, very funny. Uh, And cheekily did the RVD pose before dropping into his split-legged moonsault. Uh, You'll see why that's cheeky when we get to the next match. Uh, Brooks and Asuka have great chemistry together. Oh, yeah. Their exchanges were fantastic. Uh, and there's this amazing dive uh, where Hiroshima is halfway through doing a springboard plancher. And in the back of the shot, Mao does the old Takamichinoku Superman no hands plancher on the mm. same rope at the yeah. same time. Like, I thought that I, it was. Did he tell Hiroshima he was going to do it? Did he just <laughs> hope the old man would have enough balance for them to pull it off? Like, it was, it looked really good. One of my favorite little bits before this was Shunma going for a crossbody uh, in the ring and Yoshimura just no selling it just standing there as Shunma bounced off <laughs> <laughs> so Ueno hits his lovely blizzard suplex on Yoshimura but runs into that uh, Haragoshi headlock whip takeover thing he does uh, which I really like like it's the simplest oh, of moves yeah but it's so cool um Arashima goes for the, the swan dive somato, but Ueno knocks him out of the air with a springboard dropkick, immediately followed by the tag champs wiping out Brooks with a Shiranoi doomsday device. Doomsday? Doomsday. Uh, the tag champs, by the way, are Mao and Asuka. We should probably mention that. Uh, apparently the match where they won the titles is really good. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I've got to go back and watch that. Mm. I've taken a very short time out from... Uh, from DDT, but the let's just say the next couple of shows is getting me right back into it. Mm. Uh, Harashima then clatters Shunma with the Poison Rana and Somato and scores the pin. Uh, best match so far, and actually would turn out to be best match of the night. Just really good, well-executed Japanese-style indie wrestling. I loved it. They, this was a match where it's like, 
you've got eight wrestlers. They've all got different strengths and no one came out actually not having any shine. Everyone got shine. Mm. Everyone got time. Everyone looked good in different ways. Um, and what I liked was uh, Hiroshima literally let everyone else get their stuff in and then came in at the end. Mm. And I'm not kidding. Hiroshima, so on this show, every wrestler, when they kind of entered a match, would have a, a graphic pop up. Mm. Hiroshima's graphic came up less than four minutes before the end of the match. That's how late <laughs> he actually tagged into the match. Um, there, there was just lots of great interactions. One of my highlights was they just let Yuki Ueno and Naomi Yoshimura just go for a minute. Mm. And they have... I wasn't a massive fan of their match at the last Dio Grand Prix. Mm. Uh, it was good, but it wasn't as good as I thought it would be. I love this exchange between the two of them. And it's the kind of, I think this match was designed basically for DDT to say, we're not going to be the focus, but we're going to have our guys wow the people that haven't seen them. Yeah. And I think they did that. Yeah, they stole the show. There was no, There was no bad pairings in this match at all. Um, and it uh, and it forwards the the story in DDT. Yeah. So next up, Yohei Daisuke Harada and Koto Ki Kiyomiya. I always Kiyomiya. I always want to call him Kitamiya, and I always look down at my Kitamiya key is the other one. Yes, yes. But I always look down at my keyboard like I've made a typo. <laughs> uh, versus Yoshinari Ogawa, Hayata, and yes, Rob Van Dam. Van Damme just straight up using his WWE music, one of a kind, by uh, Breaking Benjamin. Uh, the pyro guy was on point for Van Damme's entrance, though. Like, he hit every beat, like, with a spurt of fire out of the stage. <laughs> um, I want to make a joke about RVD using the Yano Toru ton, but I have a feeling there are enough people who wouldn't know what I was talking about. Um, I also Well, know you know, of course, I'm sure you do, that... Yano actually started doing that for the first time in a match against Rob Van Dam. Which was exactly my point, yes. <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's, right. me, uh, <laughs> that's me being dense. It's all right. That means we don't get any comments about it. Um, how did Rob Van Dam survive in Japan without weed? Like, it's, yeah. his, it's his primary fuel. <laughs> he must know somebody. Maybe he's got the same art dealer as Nassau or Rongai. <sighs> Deep cuts. Uh, so, what else did I write here? This was shit as well. Uh, Hayata's gear is horrible. Uh, Five-star frog splash ends a three-star match. A triangle gate champion just got pinned by a one-and-done visitor. That's what Noah thinks of your belts, Dragon Gate. I had no time for this. Like, Noah's showing on this show was very much B-tier compared to the other companies. And and that's fascinating to me because when I looked at this on paper, don't get me wrong, I wasn't high on the Noah tag matches, but it kind of felt like DDT were being firmly pushed to the, the third position here. Mm. It's like Noah got the main event and they had one of their guys going in a, a Noah versus DDT match where it was clear that Noah guy was going to win. Mm. Um, Tokyo Joshi Pro got the semi-main event and they had probably generally the best looking on paper uh, multi-man matches mm. in terms of pushing their talent. 
DDT felt like they were getting the scraps. Yeah. And yet we've both oh, we've, came away. Oh, we've got more four we got four more slots to fill, you figure it out. And yet we've both come away thinking that DDT by far had the best match on the show. Yeah. Uh, I do wonder if that's our built in DDT bias, but It could be. Hmm. Um I'm sure, uh, you know, other opinions are available. Uh, if, if anyone's wondering why I don't have any takes on this match, it's because I'd skipped it. <laughs> you were smart. Uh, random dance numbers. Random dance numbers. The, quote, sexy, cute, powerful Cyber Japan dancers, apparently. A dozen women in very long boots and not much else doing a sub-Nitro Girls routine to an EDM theme tune medley, including Naomichi Marafuji's all of which were just a long intro so they could then dance to the entirety of Scooter's Fire, which is Sanshiro Takagi's um, entrance theme. So DDT we, we, won that. We had uh, we had Ricky Choshu's Power Hall theme was in there at one point. <laughs> it uh, was we, very we, odd. Which was not the best remix I've ever heard because there is on, I believe it's on Wrestle Universe somewhere, there is a remix of Power Hall is basically like a funky almost slow jazz style version good lord they they love mucking around with power hall okay next up is uh i mean it's the shortest match but it's the one we really have to talk the most about yoshiki inamura at sushi kotake and katsuhiko nakajima representing noah against junakiyama tetsuya endo and kazusada higuchi from ddt the entrances, like this, is where like the all the cool entrances started for this show. Mm. Uh, there, they, there was like epic classical music, live taiko drummers for the Noah team, huge flag displays, like gigantic green Noah flags, and then mm. um, for the DDT side, there were the smaller white ones with the DDT logo, but they had guys who were doing tricks with them. Um, how old is Higuchi's match graphic photo? Because I've never seen him with a haircut that short in all the time I've been watching DDT. <laughs> I honestly don't remember uh, what that looked like, so I would actually have to go back and let you know. But... It was uh, it was not his standard slick back do. Let's say that. Mm. Uh, I mean, my notes don't contain much because not much and then everything happened. There was some mm. opening, not a lot. Uh, and then Nakajima no-selling everything from Endo. Uh, Endo kind of, like, gives him a whack to get him out of the ropes, and uh, Nakajima responded by slapping him in the face at the five-minute mark uh, and knocking him out for real. <laughs> and that was it. That was the end of the match. What What did you think about the, the referee here? Because I generally thought he was quite good because... Oh, no, he did a great as... job. He checked on it yeah. and checked on him and made sure that, like, he definitely couldn't continue. Like, he kept mm. anybody back from touching him. And even so, uh, Nakajima went over and put his foot on Endo's chest uh, uh, to, like, you know... Do the, 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 the Jericho did, cocky pin. He did Jericho cocky pin, Exactly. Um, uh, and the ref counted to two and Nakajima to his credit when he realised Endo wasn't going to kick out uh, he took his foot off and turned towards uh, Akiyama who was threatening to get in the ring so like he Mm. didn't get an actual pinfall over the KOD champion by mistake Um, Uncle Jun then came into the ring and went face to face with Nakajima and gave him a good long talking to 
Uh, like hmm. Akiyama looked really annoyed, uh, but Nakajima, as his his character, can't be seen to back down from him in public. Like even if he was feeling contrition, like that looks bad for him hmm. and that looks bad for Noah, so he has to just sort of stand there and take it and look like he doesn't give a shit about it. So like I don't I don't know what's going on in Nakajima's head there, but I think what was going on in Juni Akiyama's head was you unprofessional fuck. What have you done? I now. I've got a couple of uh, things. Mm. One, I rewatched. So I watched this, and then I watched it again yesterday. Mm. And I, but and part of that was because I've seen. I mean, so many people have a take on this online. Uh, and one of my things was there were some people saying that Nakajima looked like he was showing contrition in how he was, and I didn't get that at first. I will say, watching back. You can kind of see Nakajima's face soften is probably the best way to describe it. You can kind of mm. see something there the longer Akiyama's talking as to whether it's just he's taking what Akiyama says on board, whatever. What's interesting is um, Akiyama talked to Tokyo Sports about this in an article that was released today. And on Post Wrestling, Andrew Thompson uh basically did a translation or got a translation mm. of it. And it was interesting because I think part of it might be there was a kayfabe element, but it was Akiyama talking about how he had multiple concussions when he was younger in all Japan in like a couple of years mm. of his debut. And he was talking about how when he trained the Noah, not Noah, when he trained the DDT wrestlers, because he is one of the main trainers now, mm. Uh, and he's even training the likes of Endo are basically going in and learning from mm. him. And he was saying about how he's training wrestlers kind of where they should hit on the head, where they shouldn't, mm. giving them advice on basically looking good but being safe. Mm. And he's actually at one point, he says that he feels like he let Endo down because he didn't kind of give Endo advice on how to protect himself against... <laughs> That's, to those areas. that's a very Japanese thing though, like yeah. to to take to take blame uh for yourself for something that has nothing to do with you. Like mm. this is entirely on from my side, this is entirely on Nakajima. If he does feel like contrition, like they can get a fucking red hot into promotional angle out of this. But I don't know. Nakajima, I think, he uh has a has a history i don't think he's the most likable guy i don't necessarily think he's the most professional guy like he's known for hitting people very hard i imagine he's a fucking nightmare to deal with backstage there's the thing is there's two directions you go from this direction one is you pretend it didn't happen nakajima doesn't get involved with ddt you keep him firmly away mm. and DDT um, rebuilds themselves because, yeah, there is an element of your champion got the knock the fuck out with one slap. That That's going to hurt the DDT reputation a little bit, mm. even if... Yeah, it's even not, if it's, it's, not you know, a good look for them. It's not a good look for them. The other side is if they decide to do an angle with Nakajima and they actually want to play into that... And honestly, I interpromotional stuff normally is a little bit of a crapshoot in terms of it's good initially, but the, mm. the, the 
I think other than the uh, UWF versus New Japan 1995, I don't think interpromotion actually ever ends on a high note. It always fizzles out. Well, yeah. Uh, and that also didn't start on a great note. Like that started not too dissimilar to the invasion angle with the UWFI guys getting smashed by the New Japan guys on New Japan shows quite a lot. Mm. Um, and we're also in the land of the time limit draws so everybody saves face when it comes to Japanese promotional stuff. I mean, mm. like... We are, as we record this, we are 10 days away from New Japan, AEW Forbidden Door. And, like, just think of the... You can tell from the line, the stuff they've announced so far, like, the amount of politics and back and forth that has gone back and mm. forth. I can't believe I just said that. The amount of back and forth that's just gone back and forth. Um, like, setting that up. Who actually, honestly, really wants to see Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy? Yeah. Right? That they are big stars for their respective promotions, but that's not fucking Osprey versus Jungle Boy, Osprey mm. versus ah, uh, oh, yeah, you know, you can have a prick. Darby off. Allen. I was going to say Sammy Guevara. You can have a prick off yeah. the AEW prick against the New Japan prick. Um, yeah, like you know, there are so many more dream matches than Will Osprey versus Pack. What do I mean than Will Ospreay? Will Ospreay versus Pac. There you go. That'd be brilliant. That'd be better than Will Ospreay versus um, yeah, but, uh, Orange Cassidy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a whole load. Of, like the whole, I mean, I don't know if you've seen Dynamite yesterday. Yeah. But like the whole. I've seen the spoilers. The whole mess that's going around uh, uh, Hangman Page and Okada and Adam Cole and, and Jay, Jay White. White. Yeah. Yeah. Where like. You know, Paige if, comes out and announces one thing and then it's taken in a completely different direction. That if, if, as I half expect, Akada doesn't actually turn up at Forbidden Door, I will laugh my ass off. <laughs> but anyway, yes. Uh, if people can stop being dickheads about it and get in a room and have a, like a serious chat, and if, you know, Nakajima is sorry for accidentally knocking out another company's champion for real, like, there's... For lack of a better phrase, you can pop a house for this. There's room there, but I kind of wonder, is the safe option just to ignore it? Because what what DDT, and we'll come on to this in more detail later, uh, what DDT are going to have to, are having to do is crown a new champion. Mm. So that gives them an opportunity to kind of rebuild the belt with someone else. And then you build up to uh, like an endo rematch. So you've got room there. And, mm. well, and and there's some possibility to go and actually have that new champion get involved in Noah. And I'll go into my thoughts on that later on the, at the end. Well, while we're on the subject of DDT versus Noah, uh, that was our next match. Daisuke Sasaki versus Keno in a hardcore match. Uh, Sasaki basically got an Undertaker entrance with dancing zombies and somebody representing a dying Keno on the stage, which made me laugh. Keno then got the best entrance of the show. I loved this. Um, he got Daft Punk slash Tron dancers with synchronized lights all over their costumes. He had lion head shoulder pads. Uh, oh, he, that entrance jacket was on point. Yeah, he had, uh, he had his uh, Super Saiyan hair. Like he put gel in his hair for a change and it was sticking up rather than flat. 
Um, he's got the lead singer of Garlic Boys to sing uh, Shitster and Mosh, Heartbreak Mosh, his theme song for him, which he was also lip syncing to as he marched mm. backwards and forwards on the stage. Also, one of my favourite entrance themes at the moment. He looked like an absolute mega star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love this entrance. And then particularly when um, uh, they got the the cinematic cameras like up towards it as well in his face as he's coming down the ramp, just looked incredible. And uh, the end of, at the end of the show, you'll see why he was made to look so good. Um, so, hardcore match, anything goes. Uh, other people can get involved, uh, including Yoshihiko, who made a cameo and then got hurled into the third row. Uh, but that allowed... Uh, Daisuke to uh, waylay Keno with a chair. Keno quite literally turns the tables, putting Sasaki through one at ringside with a top rope stomp. My favourite haunted Easter egg, MJ Paul breaks up a sleeper <laughs> on the ramp with a kendo stick, uh, and that sparks a brawl between Congo and Damnation, who have come out to support their uh, representatives, complete with, and I can't believe I saw this, Matsukatsu <laughs> Funaki failing to bicycle attack uh, Sasaki on the ramp. <laughs> Uh, so Keno goes for the fire kick from the press conference. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a great clip of them going face to face at the press con and, uh, Keno lights his foot on fire and boots Sasaki in the face. Uh, he tries to go again, but Sasaki has got hold of a stun gun, uh, and zaps him with that and then hits him with what I, I mean, I called it a crazy dive over the railing, but I'm not sure that does it justice. Keno was sitting in a chair behind a table behind the railing, which is already a good six to eight feet from the ring. And Sasaki just came off the top rope and essentially hit him with an elbow drop while he was sitting in the chair. It didn't look comfortable for either party. This is kind of, this is Daisuke Sasaki's um, big set piece in Mm. these big matches because he's done it... um, quite a few times he did it in uh he did it at coming to america which mm. of course was less impressive because the fans were about two and a half yes it was that was, small, that was a smaller show. building and i think he's done it in uh, a couple of the big matches we've covered on on other episodes as well yeah uh he then fills a coffin with thumbtacks but gets slammed into it because that's the thumbtack rule in wrestling uh yep. he he who deals it gets dealt to it uh Sasaki still with tax in his back then did a fighting spirit no sell of a superplex off a ladder um I quite liked what I quite liked about this match was when it was striking and wrestling Keno was on top but when it was weapons that's Sasaki's element and he has the advantage yeah very often in these sort of like wrestler enters a street fight match well I mean it plays out at the end but like they are the superior street fighter for some reason um Sasaki misses an elbow drop from the very top of the ladder, bearing in mind he's still got thumbtacks in him, and Mm. this horrible spray of blood comes off him when he hits the mat. No, it's not blood. Isn't it? No. Did he shit himself? What happened? I I think, I could be wrong, I think it was actually Keno using red mist. Oh, was it? But Keno, I think it was Keno using red mist, but... I think that Keno mistimed it, so it actually came out and hit uh, Sasaki in the stomach. Well, I noticed it was all down his side, and I thought like he'd like he'd hit he'd hit the mat and like uh, and sort of pushed the thumbtacks at an odd angle, and it just sort of made him squirt blood. No, I'm pretty sure because I rewound this. I'm pretty sure it's missed. Well, uh, it being red helped. I uh, I think then because it blended with any blood that was coming out of Sasaki. 
Keno knocks him bandy with more kicks and squashes him with a stomp from the very peak of the ladder and pins him. Hard hitting stuff. I think it would have benefited from a faster pace, but I quite liked yeah. it. This was this was uh, probably my second favorite match of the show, to be honest. Yeah, I'd probably go there. It's I I'm kind of a little played out when it comes to uh, comedy, hardcore. Mm. Uh, yes, you've, you've, you've expressed your boredom with the plunder before on this show. I, I've just seen quite a few DDT yeah. matches of that style. And as weird as it sounds, you kind of don't have that much variety compared to a normal match. Mm. I don't know why it just... But I really enjoyed this. There were some good set pieces. You've got to give Keno credit because he was happy going in on this. And my God, both of those big double stomps take some guts. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, on on the part of both men, really, like jumping from that high, and then yeah. Sasaki, who's got to take the full weight of someone coming down, not spreading his weight, like feet first onto the chest. Mm. Like I've I've always hated the double stomp. I think it's a stupid move, uh, but wrestling, you know, continues to use it. So there we go. Keiji Muto is here. He announces his retirement countdown. Five more matches left in him, apparently. Let's see which poor bastards he unjustifiably pins over the next 12 months. Well, at least it's much shorter than Antonio Inoki's countdown. Yeah. Uh, apparently Tanahashi has gone, oh, oh, me, sir, me, please. I'd like to be pinned by you. So we'll see. I mean, Tanahashi's got his big win over Muto. I'm surprised that Muto hasn't basically tried to beat up Tanahashi and get his win back at some point already. Well, maybe he will. Maybe that's what this is all for. Semi-final time for the Princess of Princess title. Yuka Sakazaki challenges Shoko Nakajima. Uh, Sakazaki gets 10 child genies and some break dancers to dance her to the ring. Uh, one of the genie girls gets off the ramp too early for some reason when she gets to the <laughs> ring. Um Nakajima's entrance starts backstage with some Native American dress dancers dancing on the steps up to the curtain. Uh, I have to say, I saw a cultural appropriation comment about this and I thought, what the fuck's going on? Because all I'd seen is what comes next. And oh. when I saw this, I thought, <laughs> that's where that came from. Yes. Um, uh, and she's given a flaming torch. And just before they cut away, you see one of the guys in the inflatable dinosaur costumes wobble into position in the corner of the shot. And it cracked me up. And yes, then come uh, the inflatable dinosaur dancers who went uh, viral at the weekend. Uh, ten men in inflatable dinosaur costumes dancing to uh, Shoko Nakajima's horrible theme tune. <laughs> uh, a very serious match then has to wait for ten inflatable dinosaurs to wobble their way back up the ramp before it can get started. <laughs> I love Japanese wrestling. <laughs> so the person I originally labelled as Arisu Endo but wasn't uh, gets flattened on two consecutive dives, poor woman. Uh, and she's not even in this match. Uh, a lot of the early going is them just finding, finding violent ways to chuck each other out of the ring. Uh, Yuka takes a particularly bad spill and Nakajima locks her in various stretchy looking submissions when they get back inside. They suplex each other all over the place. And there's this awesome shot of Sakazaki realizing one of hers has been countered as Nakajima crouches menacingly behind her. That was very much the... Um the camera director had been re-watching his Ibushi versus Osprey matches and thought, I have an idea. <laughs> Sometimes you just catch stuff. Like, so, I mean, yeah. uh, oh, I'm sure we've mentioned it before, like part of my job used to be the filming of wrestling shows and the making of wrestling TV shows. And uh, 
if you're good at your job, you run a production meeting beforehand uh, and you find out what all the big spots are going to be, what the finishes are going to be. Um, and if you have worked with the same wrestlers multiple times, you know their stuff. So you know, like, for example, uh, I used to uh, film Martin Stone slash Danny Birch matches a lot. And I knew his entrance off by heart. Uh, and so you know where to direct the camera people to go. Right, he's going to hit that corner, that corner, that corner, that corner, centre of the ring, and we're done. And you know where to put your camera ops, and you know when to cut at the right time. And so you could, there's being prepared and also the lucky accidents that just happen uh, when you've got a camera pointed at a wrestling ring. And also, Japanese camera ops, when it comes to wrestling, tend to be much better than Western ones. That's just the way it is. It is a lot of it because, especially for the bigger shows, many of the camera ops are basically TV production, like TV studio camera ops, you reckon? Uh, well, they're all... so. Uh, for example, when I have been uh, at shows in Japan, uh, it will be like the Samurai TV crew. I went to mm. uh, eight shows in a week on one of my trips, and at five of them, I swear I saw the same camera operators at ringside. So, like, this is oh, okay. their job. They do it professionally. They know wrestling inside out. They're being talked to by a director on the headsets, um, and they they know what they're looking for. Um when it comes to the UK, I mean, with very few exceptions, most camera operators that shoot British wrestling aren't even professional camera ops. They don't know how to use the piece of equipment they've been given. They're just told, point this, point the lens at the ring. That's it. I could do a whole show on uh, direction and camera operation, editing and wrestling. Uh, I could take this to two hours whether we want it to or not. But I'm not going to. Uh, so we're coming towards the end. Uh, Sakasaki has this really nice spinning up kick, uh, that should be a much more meaning part, meaningful part of her arsenal. Mm. Um, she follows up with the magical merry-go-round and what we found out was called recently the magical girl chicken son of a bitch, uh, but connects with Shoko's knees. Nakajima then hits a double arm, uh, DDT and her top rope sent on for the pin. Uh, rough around the edges, uh, but they work yeah. really hard. Uh, I'm a big fan of Sakazaki anyway, uh, as like the magical girl. Uh, like, ever since she first, uh, I first saw her on AEW shows. Uh, like she's really got something. Like she's she's one of these tiny but massively charismatic women that seems to populate TJPW. But I like the more serious edge she's been uh, given this year. Like she's yeah. a particularly good striker. Definitely a match that was rough around the edges. The way I felt about it is. They put a lot of effort in, they put a lot of work in, but they were going for for their level, a high, a high level of uh, difficulty. Mm. So it's kind of, they knew it was a big match, so it kind of felt like they were pushing themselves. Yeah. And they didn't entirely hit it. There was, um, so there was a lot of cradle and grappling work, and quite often they were kind of losing contact with each other and they were kind of losing the move or going yeah. off. At the end of the day, they were ambitious and it. I think the bit for me was Sakazaki was so much more comfortable when she was actually high-flying. Mm. She's naturally very good at that and she does yeah. stuff. I mean, we can talk about Ray Phoenix all you like, but Sakazaki does stuff that other people just don't do when it comes to coming off the top rope. Um. Mm. 
there was then the amazing image of the very tiny champion having to pose next to the very tall sponsor with the giant novelty check or whatever it was that they had. <laughs> like, he he must have had almost two feet on her. <laughs> there, There is a reason she has the number 147 in her yes. um, thing, because she's 147 centimetres tall. Yes, which is four foot nine, four eight, four nine. No, four... Isn't it 4'11"? Because isn't it 30 centimetres to a foot? Hang on. Uh, it is 4.8 feet. Thank you very much, Google. You're so helpful. <laughs> uh, it is 4 feet and 9.87 centimetres. So 4'10". Okay, yeah. There we go. Right, now that mathematical debate is out of the way. Uh, it's time for the main event. Uh New Japan's uh, Satoshi Kojima challenges uh, Noah's Go Shizaki for the GHC heavyweight title. For some of the promo video, they look like they're on a spaceship for some reason. Like, well, Cyberfight Kojima's Blake Seven. <laughs> well, Kojima was introduced as X, and the X video was, for some unknown reason, spaceship out of a, a 2000s uh, TV advert. I see. That's how it felt. Um, may, maybe I'm being disingenuous and it was maybe say 2010 instead of 2010. They just, <laughs> um, so for some reason, that's the angle they went and they decided to keep it for this video package. Um, I don't know why they went that direction because no one thinks spaceship when the, they think of Satoshi Kojima. No. If it was Muto, I'd get it because at one point he was space lone wolf. He was the space lone wolf. Just doesn't work for Kojima. Well, Muto was the space lone wolf, and according to his graphic here, uh, Satoshi Kojima was cozy, best lariater of the world. I love a good bit of English. Uh, mm. Kojima's crumping crew, as I called them, uh, dance <laughs> him to the ring, or apparently they're called the full cast razors, according I, to their jackets. I have to, I have to say, at this point, the dance numbers felt less and less relevant and it felt more like someone got a big budget and their cousin owned a dance studio. A little bit. So all of the big entrances were essentially the same template, which was um, uh, an extended intro uh, with themed dancers, then going into the main theme tune of the wrestler and they would then come out uh, and make their way to the ring. Uh I would say that uh, Kenos, because he had the live singer and because he was like singing along to his tune as well, like that helped his stand out from from the pack when it came to that format. Um, it really showed us that wrestling needs its new Magnum Tokyo to dance along with the hired in dancers. <laughs> yeah, although um, Yuka Sakazaki did with her Genie Girls for a bit, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Go Shizaki's entrance paints him as the ruler of the Roman Empire. He had toga clad <laughs> dancers. He had a throne. He had a massive M. Bison villain cape. He looked every inch the anime villain, and he's the defending was, hero. Yeah. Oh, it was almost like the time I went to see Julius Caesar at the Royal Shakespeare Theatre and, <laughs> and somehow got, um, got uh, oh, God. And I, I'd made a tweet about it and someone searched it out and basically dobbed me into the actor that played Cassius because I thought he had better muscle definition than most wrestlers. <laughs> Speaking of muscle definition, 
Satoshi Kojima is in fat- fantastic shape for 52. Oh, yeah. Like, he had he definitely, like, been hitting the gym and the tanning bed for this. Uh, I enjoyed him flexing his pecs in time with the crowds clapping. Uh, go, the design on Go's tights, we'll promise we'll get onto the actual match. The, the design on Go's tights uh, made it look like his name was Gosh Ozaki. Because it had it had a line, it was it was spelled out vertically, and it had a line running vertically through it that went straight through the eye in Shozaki. On the subject of Shozaki, I feel like he's never really been allowed to be his own man. Like he was the Kobashi yeah. protege, so he had to emulate him, and then he's sort of become appointed the king of Noah and has to dress like Misawa, do the rolling elbow, do the Emerald Flosion, mm. and sort of be a continuation of the spirit of this dead guy that everybody revered. Like he's never been allowed to just be Go Shizaki. Yeah, that's that is a very good point. And there was points during this match, so I agree with you, like there was a full on Masawa tribute near the end. But yeah. I agree with you that at points it really did feel like he was channeling sort of two thousand four to two thousand seven Kabashi in the kind of where he can still do some power stuff, but he was focusing more on chop variations and that and it really does feel like he's it's cruel to call him a tribute act because he is a very good wrestler yeah you're right he's he doesn't feel like he's ever been allowed to be himself he is he he's kind of like a living embodiment of what Noah had. He's had to be... And the, that's he's a had, bit sad for him. He's had to be like the next generation version of two all-time legends. And he's... I mean, no disrespect to the man, but he's not going to live up to either of them, let alone both. And he mm. is a fantastic wrestler. This match, however, I mean, I, my entirety of my notes for this match comes to one paragraph. Surprise, there are lots of chops. Uh, Go keeps cutting off Kojima wherever he goes for a lariat, taking him down with a lariat of his own. Uh, when Shizaki winds up for a burning lariat, though, Kojima gets in there quicker with the counter. Kojima then hits two running lariats of his own and gets the pin. That is my entire notes on a 21-minute match. Yeah, my my notes honestly aren't much more. I'm not going to quote them, partly mm. because I've absolutely butchered my notes and they're in, like, three places. Good job. Um, yeah, I'm good at that. Um, but... I loved the idea that Shizaki lost because he was too caught up in showboating. He was too caught up in trying to embody Mm. Noah and embody the Flash. So he overcompensated on the posing, on the burning lariat, and Kojima just got in quicker. That that is a great way to set up the finish. I'm not sure the finish 100% worked because it kind of made Shizaki look like he was slower than Kojima multiple times. And it's like... A man 12 years his senior. (laughs) That's maybe not what I'd want to do in a position when you're trying to protect someone. Mm. Um, But, uh, yeah, this was a solid match. There was some good stuff. There was some good action. Mm. But it was good. That's it. Yeah. It was good. It just lacked that sense of pizzazz. Yeah. And... And I'm sorry, I like Satoshi Kojima, but I think Kojima is a wrestler who has, especially now, but even for for at least a decade, he has quite a low ceiling. He mm. has a fairly high floor, but he has a low ceiling. Yeah. And this just, did, it didn't feel like the level I would expect for the main event of a show like this. 
yeah, I called it a competent Japanese heavyweight main event. On the on the plus side, it sped by. Like mm. I I didn't realise it was twenty one minutes long until I looked it up later. However, I don't remember much of it. Um, and God knows why Noah are putting their big belt on an aging New Japan opening match guy, though. Yeah, uh, someone who, for the last three years, New Japan have essentially done their best to make you forget was on their own shows. Mm. He's very... Yeah, you're right. He's an opening match guy. He's a guy that's been very much down-pushed. Uh, and it's like... He's almost an afterthought. He's doing this because New Japan more or less have nothing for him. And I don't see the value he brings. It's like, I don't think there's that many people that would get nostalgic enough to move to watching Noah to follow Kojima. Yeah, I wonder if he's still a big enough name so that whoever pins him gets the rub. For the title, it's not going to be. I mean, so uh, Keno comes out to challenge afterwards, which means he's getting pinned in the main event of the next big Noah show. So it's not going to be him. Uh, not first time around anyway, I don't think. Um, I was there live the night that uh, Satoshi Kojima lost the Triple Crown uh, oh. at, at Sumo Hall in the main event of an All Japan pay-per-view. Uh, I went along because uh, the semi-main was Masakasu Funaki versus Minoru Suzuki in All Japan's first ever cage match. Cool. Um, but the main event was uh, Satoshi Kojima losing the Triple Crown to Ryoto Hama, <laughs> trying to get three stars out of him, and he just about managed. And I was like, I think the point is the prestige of pinning Kojima. But the, what is that worth in 2022? Like, yeah. can you buy a cup of coffee with that? It, my first ever Japanese wrestling show had essentially the opposite of that main event. Mm. It was Togi Makabe losing the IWGP heavyweight title in his first and only ever reign to Satoshi Kojima. Interesting. <laughs> so overall, I thought this was a good show. Uh, I'm not sure it was as good as last year's. Um, no, I think last year's was a better show. I think the, I just have better memory. I think the highs were better than last year's highs, but the lows were worse. I think last year had, so of the two shows, last year had the best inter-promotional match, which was Takeshita and Wayno versus... Yes. Uh, was it Inamura? It was Inamura and... Uh, oh, God. Uh, Kiyomiya. Yep, you're right. Uh, Kanosuke Takeshita and Yuki Ueno representing DDT against Yoshiki Inamura and Kaito Kiyomiya representing Noah. So I think that was the best Noah versus DDT match that I've had so far in terms of the general quality mm. effect. But and, and there were some good matches on this show, but I, I don't think it... I don't think my... Uh, my love of this show was close to my love of the, the previous show. Mm. And that's not to say that I thought that last year's Cyber Fight Festival was blowaway great because I felt, again, it needed some work. The, the problem with Cyber Fight Festival is you're trying to combine three different rosters. Uh, four, if you count Gambare as well. Yeah. So it's trying to get that balance between giving the right wrestlers shine, getting people on the card, mm. balancing up time. You know, 
I wouldn't want to do this. You'd have to pay me a lot of money to try and sort of sort out all of the the logistics of it because it must be an absolute nightmare politically. And this is mm. even including the fact that these are all companies owned by the same parent company because I've worked in multinationals and believe me, it's like if there's different teams with different budgets or competing oh, yeah. budgets, it's going to be, the knives are going to be there very polite knives and yes. not actual <laughs> proper knives, but there's going to be some anger. Yeah. Yes. The, yes. Everything is political. Um, it's also incredibly wrong. Like damn near six hours, including the pre-show matches. Uh, DDT eight man hardcore match and TJPW trios match were probably my highlights. And Keno's entrance above all of that, I think. Yeah. Uh, Maybe uh, throw in the TJPW four way. Uh, yeah, if you don't watch the well, just for the high spots, yeah. Yeah. Um, on the surface, uh, if you look at results, Noah looks to have come out on top, but Mm. uh, you know, sweeping DDT as they did in the various like versus battles. But in terms of in ring, as like we alluded to earlier, I think DDT and Tokyo Joshi Pro smoked them, they look much like their their wrestlers gave much better performances than the Noah wrestlers. Like the Noah only matches on this show were multi mans were rubbish. Mm. It, I think if you think about it, Tokyo Joshi Pro knew, knew what they wanted to do, which was they wanted you to remember the names of the wrestlers in the matches because they're the people that are, they're going to start mm. pushing or that are starting to get pushes. It was giving them more time and giving them room to get some big moments that you'll then be able to use in video packages and people will remember oh, it's that girl that could slam two people at the same time. Yes. Or, it's the oh, one dressed like the, a bee. It's the, yeah. 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 Um, DDT, basically, they did the smart thing. They essentially put the best wrestlers they had mm-hmm. that weren't in the interpromotional match, and they put them all in the same match, and they just told them, just go for it. Go have fun and for 20 minutes, yeah. And I think that that match has a good chance of making a few extra fans because there's some people that I follow online that don't watch a lot of uh, DDT and that was the match that impressed them the most. It's one of the higher rated matches on Cage Match for this show. Mm. Not the highest. Uh, That's the hardcore match, Keno versus Daisuke Sasaki. But I understand why that would uh, appeal to the, the, the Western fan who's perhaps just dipping into this out of interest. Hmm. Uh, so we need to talk about Tetsuya Endo that slap gave him a concussion he is out for an indeterminate amount of time he didn't have to stay in hospital apparently he was allowed to go home that night so it's not serious however he is out of the King of DDT tournament and has had to vacate the title automatically loses his first round match to Masahiro Takanashi by forfeit and the KOD Openweight title will be the prize for the tournament winner as we record this, the opening round happened today. Uh, I watched it. Did you, or do you just know the results? I watched the first two matches, okay. and then I basically got the rest of the results for this podcast. Sure, um, sure. Because to be peek behind the curtain, I hadn't watched all of Cyber Fight Festival, so my time between dinner and recording <laughs> was catching up. Yeah, I've had uh, I've had a bit more time on my hands today, so whilst waiting for uh, people to get back to me about things, so uh, I thought, why not? Let's put it on. Uh, so, if you don't want 
any we're recording this the day of it will go out the day after if you haven't seen it and you want to see it i would suggest turning off the show now uh because uh we are going to talk about the results and the second round and the ramifications thereof of this whole tournament so thank you very much for joining us uh and we will see you in july when we do our july episode for everybody else we're now going to talk about king of ddt so i mean the big question is who do you see taking the thing the so the uh, the, i I mean obviously some people have won of one and lost i will list out the full field um yeah um nobody taking the place of tetsurendo uh masahiro takanashi harashima hideki okatani chris brooks naomi yoshimura yuki weno canon whoever the fuck he was uh yuji hino daisuke sasaki yuki sexy Ino, mao junakiyama yukio sakaguchi yukio naya and kazusada higuchi okay so first of all canon just so that you're aware it's uh, something that's fairly recent Canon is a guy trained by uh, Takamichi Nokus from the JTO promotion. I guessed. So I, I took oh, some the eye pokes. Yeah. So we are not just the eye pokes, just being a lazy fuck who's useless. Um, <laughs> uh, we are going to cover the tournament uh, in more depth in the July episode after the final has happened. Uh, so I, while watching this today, I took notes. So I've got them for when we record that. I wrote... Is he a K-Dojo guy? Because there's more than a little latter-day Takamichinoku in his style. And then I looked him up, and I was right. He started in Just Tap Out, which is uh, Taka's spiritual successor to K-Dojo after he was caught doing naughty things that he shouldn't have been doing. Uh, Yeah, I thought he was rubbish. Uh, I'm glad he lost. Uh, And I don't have to watch him again. I mean, I'll have to watch him in some tag matches on DDT shows, I'm sure. But, like, he, I thought he was terrible. Uh, But we'll get onto that. We'll get onto that next month. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, you haven't you haven't seen the show, but you know who won. Uh, yeah. Our remaining participants, so second round is on June the 19th, which is this coming Sunday as we record and release this show. And the semis and finals will be uh, on July the 3rd. All of that's at Corican Hall. Round two will be Naomi Yoshimura versus Harashima, uh, Ueno versus Sasaki, Akiyama versus Ino. Uh, and a- Akiyama looked fucking thrilled at having to wrestle Yuki Ino in his next <laughs> uh, match. Oh, his post-match interview was, yeah. Uh, I didn't see I didn't see an interview. Uh, I just saw his face when the announcer said, and like he looked up at the commissioner, and the commissioner just nodded at him like, yeah, you've got to go and do it. Sorry, buddy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Higuchi versus Takanashi. So those are our eight men who we've got left. Uh, who out of that remaining field uh, do you think has the best chance of, of winning? So even before today, mm. when it was a block of 16, I had three P, three possibilities in my head. Mm-hmm. The outside bet was Junakiyama because Akiyama had made stances saying that he will win the title to hold it in Endo's stead. So mm-hmm. it was a possibility, but I don't think that's a good storyline. So that's why he's my dark horse the uh, the two that i thought it would be would be yuki Wano mm-hmm. or kazusada higuchi because in all honesty even before cyber fight festival and everything that happened i kind of had in my head that higuchi was winning king of ddt and then facing endo and i, I endo and higuchi have 
uh, a little bit of history. They have fairly good chemistry. Um, during the, I think it was 2020, during the, the no crowd era, mm-hmm. uh, Higuchi faced Endo repeatedly trying to basically show that he deserved uh, to basically challenge for the title because mm-hmm. there was um, there was basically they were passing around a sword that gave you the right to uh, challenge yes, the, the next big DDT show. The Anytime Anywhere Gauntlet. Yeah. Which we should probably do a show on at some point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, this the sword as well. Sword. The sword is different, isn't it? Yes, that's right. I remember. Sorry. Yes. But yeah. Um, so, as I say, for me, it's either Wayno or Higuchi. And DDT did a small... Twitter poll, and 50% thought it would be Higuchi, 40% thought it would be Wayno. Uh, and 10% it, it just, thought it would be... Well, the third choice was Yuki Ino, which shows you know, <laughs> some people that want to see the world burn. Um, but for me, it's like they're the two guys that seem to be the most... Uh, groomed to be a next champion because mm. Wayno has kind of filled in a bit for Takeshita. And as we mentioned when we covered the the D-King Grand Prix, uh, Wayno kind of felt like he was almost replacing Endo as Takeshita's generational rival. So mm. they're very high on Wayno, uh, obviously, because he's incredibly athletically gifted. Mm. Uh, but Higuchi has been a guy that a lot of DDT fans, um, especially Western fans, have wanted DDT to actually go all in on for a couple of years. And it kind of feels like it might be the right thing. When I talked about I could see an angle where the new DDT champion goes to Noah mm. and like tries to uphold, have some matches into promotional title matches, Higuchi was the guy that I was thinking because Higuchi's a guy that... He's a good fit for Noah. You can argue he's a better fit for Noah than DDT. Higuchi would fill that role much better than Wayno would. You're right. Um, They would both be first-timers, right? Higuchi and Wayno would both be first-time champions. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, I I mean, the safe option... Yeah. The safe option is Harashima. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. As we talked about uh, uh, last month when we uh, did his profile episode, Harashima is the safe transitional man. Uh, but as we also talked about, like his time with this belt has passed now. Like he doesn't need to do this again. And like, it just would be a safety thing. Um, they could also, I mean, okay. So Ino and Yoshimura are not winning. It's that simple. I wouldn't be surprised. If, I wouldn't be surprised if Yoshimura beats Harashima. I, I don't think he's it's not, likely. But, but he's not winning, he's not the, winning the title. No. He's not winning the final. No. I can see him getting to the final four Yeah, uh, to give him a bit of a push. Yeah, the student beats the master is, is yeah. a good storyline in, in movies, in wrestling. Incidentally, when they did the face-offs at the end of the show with the next round participants, those mm. two look very happy to be wrestling each other. Uh, so I oh, think yeah. that's going to be a fun match. Um, yeah, you talked about what Akiyama said. Do you think they would uh, they would go with Sasaki again? I think it's a mistake. I, I do think, think it's a mistake, but you know when when does when does wrestling do the right thing? I don't think it's the right direction. I no. I, I there's a ten percent chance they do it, mm. but I think 
Honestly, if Sasaki were against someone other than Wayno, I think it'd be more likely. It just, in my head, Wayno versus Yoshimura is one of the two semifinals, mm-hmm. and Higuchi versus Akiyama is the other. Yes, yes, that that is the uh, that's the logical pick, I think, and I think you're right when it comes to when it comes to the eventual winner. Uh, Ueno and Higuchi are the heart choices and Hiroshima is the the head choice made around the boardroom table. Yeah, but yeah. I I think, honestly, something like this, it's kind of the time when you need to make a gutsy decision and prove and show that you're not afraid. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, it, it probably is a heart choice for me, but just for me, it feels like it, this is it because if you don't give it to Higuchi, you're not giving it to him. So I, I'm sorry, yeah, because he so he's getting on in years. I'm getting on in years. Like I mean, he's, he's 32. He's not is that he? old. And, I thought he was yeah. 40. Fucking hell, that's a hard paper round. All right, uh, so let's say the final has come down to Higuchi versus Wayno, and you, you flip the coin. Is it coming down Higuchi? Is, is it, would he be your overall pick? If it's, Higuchi's the, if it's my the, pick. If it's those two in the final, Higuchi's your guy. If it's those two in the final, Higuchi's my guy. I just think, I yeah, I, I'm just going to say, you know what, Sod it. It's like when you think your team has a decent chance to win the league, but you say, Sod it anyway, I'll just go for it. Yeah, I, I think he's doing it. And I was wrong. He's only, he's 33. Okay, he's saying football things, which, you know, just going completely over my head. Wayno uh, uh, is only 26, so he's got plenty of time to still mature. And so you're probably right. Like, if you're going to do Higuchi, now's the time to do Higuchi. Right. Uh, I haven't written down an outro, so these this is going to be entirely off the top of my head. You can follow this show on Twitter at DDTeachPod. You can follow me on Twitter at KieranEdit. You can follow Mark on Twitter at monkey underscore buckles. He got it right. Uh, <laughs> if you go to linktr.ee slash ddteach, I think, uh, that uh, that gives links to all that stuff uh, and to all the ways you can subscribe to this show if you don't already. Uh, I don't know why you're not, if you're listening to this. We also have another podcast called Must See Matches, at Must See Matches on uh, Twitter. Uh, and coming out, on monday as we record this is probably my favorite episode we've recorded so far um uh sarah parkin of big egg podcasting universe came to talk to us about chigasu nagayo versus dump matsumoto hair versus hair match from august 1985 um if you're gonna listen to one show we put out listen to that one i had such a fun time recording it and i enjoyed it got to enjoy it again when i did the edit yesterday um it's a great show it's our longest show it's about just over an hour uh but it's so much fun talking about just an incredible not even match just an incredible scene an incredible piece of drama so i'm plugging that for all it's worth while we're here i've enjoyed uh doing the 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 podcast Mm. enjoyed our guests but and and all of our guests you know great insight but sarah's uh knowledge and she was great. I, I just love recording that episode with Sarah. Yeah, yeah. Amazing knowledge of that scene. 
So that is it. Uh, we will be back uh, in July. Don't know exactly when uh, to talk about the King of DDT tournament as a whole, because then we will have our new champion. So that is it for this month. Uh, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Bye.